And welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're so thrilled you guys are with us again today, and we're following up on an important topic, uh, the larger topic being modern self and how our understanding of ourself is, is changing and how parents are trying to navigate this, how the church is trying to navigate this. Um, and uh, we're living in a, a strange new world. And, that, and I think, and when I say strange new world, anybody that is a believer in Christ and looks at the news or looks at the, you know what's happening around us, you're going, did somebody, you know, has my body been taken over by aliens and I've been abducted and I now find myself in, in a, well, a strange planet? Imagine you got in a coma, uh, I don't know, mid-90s? <laughs> Oh. Not even. I'm not even talking 80s or 70s. Or yeah, I'm talking yeah. about like 90s, maybe. And then you you're in cryogenic, you know, fro, you know, you're frozen. <laughs> and then someone woke you up in 2022. You wake up. You're just like, wow. What in the world? What kind of world do we live in? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a great example because the 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 rapidity of change, that the the speed uh, of the transformation that we have witnessed has <laughs> been rapid. I mean, it's just been. Uh, but but I think what we've tried to highlight in, in past episodes is the seedbed, the thought. Um, uh, even all the way back, we gave the example of say 2000 with gay marriage. When you when you looked at the argument for gay marriage, you realize this is a Pandora's box because the seed argument literally opened the door not just to gay marriage but to almost anything goes. And and we're literally witnessing that now. Um, I remember reading the, the 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 decision written by Kennedy, I believe J- yeah. Justice Kennedy, um, and his. I mean, I didn't read the whole thing, but a large part of his argument was absolutely talking about, hey, just have compassion, feel, feel, you know, like care about them. Just it was it was an emotional appeal. That was my impression. I don't remember all the words. I mean, obviously this was a couple decades ago. It was an emotional appeal. Then when I read Just uh, Justice Roberts. Who is you know no conservative in my opinion, but Justice Roberts' uh, dissent, it was like this is not the Constitution. Celebrate all you want, celebrate all these different things, but don't celebrate the Constitution. So, so this is that's a great divide. Yeah, and, it's a great and, and illustration. so on the theoretical or philosophical level, which we're talking about because this is a a Christian worldview kind of a program, we're talking about two terms there. One was making appeal to subjectivism, which means. Uh, the individual's feelings, um, you know, their personal values, et cetera, et cetera. The other one was making an, an appeal to objectivism, meaning it doesn't really matter what you feel. This is the Constitution. This is the the thought put into words that has been passed into law that represents external authority. So while I appreciate what you feel, this, we're not here to talk about what you feel. We're here to talk about whether a man can marry another man or a woman can marry another woman or a man well, can based marry on two women. Law, or, ba- yeah. based, on the, based on constitutional grounds and not like feelings. Le- yeah, it should be legislated. It should, the definition of marriage should be based on Congress and not a court of law. That's basically the argument, you know. So right. It's certainly not based on the fact that we'll just feel what these two people are feeling and yeah. have sympathy or empathy for them. Um, but that's the massive shift that we're kind of unpackaging is even, you know, so talk last week, we talked about the concept of the self using objective versus subjective. How has 
our understanding of self kind of been turned upside down. Yeah, I mean, basically the true authentic, oh, sorry, the best version of yourself, we use that term, you and I yeah, use yeah. that version, the best version of yourself, you know, traditionally it's been defined in the context of community, you know, in the Christian worldview is absolutely defined upon our intrinsic relationship with God. Right. <laughs> like you God, cannot have, and then how many times in the Bible we talk about one another, Yeah. love one another, serve one another, be kind to one another. Yep. So that means you, you can't even be a moral person or your best version of you. Unless you're your best version of you with me right. and with a community of people. So the expression of ourselves is in service to God and service to other people. It's not just for my own sake. It's just not my own little vacuum. I get to be me. doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. I get to be me. Right. You know, that was our, our understanding of the best version of you. The, the truest version, the God-ordained version. But even that under God is it's unique in our culture today. But now the true self, the authentic self, has been morphed into this radical sense of individualism that's in a vacuum, which is you know absolutely divorced from God or any type of creator or higher power, and, and but, but largely divorced from community too. Yes, because now, now to be a good person, I need to celebrate you, even if I don't agree with you. And in fact, if I don't celebrate you, now I am viewed societally as the mean-spirited, bigot, insensitive, unkind, uncaring person for not not only acknowledging your feelings and giving you a badge of courage for, for stating them, but for not publicly conforming and celebrating. Like I just saw, uh, you know, we're in, we're in Pride Month, which I hate even to say that. We're in the month of June, and June exists for the glory of God. But it, culturally now, it's Pride Month. Everybody has to bow to the LGBTQ RSTUV community, we have to bow so much so that I saw where there was a number of players that play for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but but on their jersey for the month of June, they're supposed to have a rainbow colored logo uh, on their Major League Baseball jersey. Now, we could ask the question, why? Are corporations getting on, jumping on a on this radical bandwagon, and basically telling everybody on the team we we don't care what you feel, this is the new um, you know set of sexual ethics that we're dancing to. You're going to wear the logo, or you're going to be punished for it. And and sometimes they're being canceled out. Now they ask these guys, why won't you wear the logo? And the guy said, look, he said. This is a matter of faith for us. This is this is a personal faith decision. I'm not going to wear a logo uh, that violates my faith in God and my faith uh, in the scriptures. Uh, and of course, he's appealing to an objective standard. Now they have to face the the tribunal of the the. Uh, ESPN sports world, right? They got to have all the newspapers saying, why won't you wear the logo? Why won't you bow to the, the LGBTQ movement? Um, but this is a perfect example. So so the, the person who comes out gay, we're supposed to celebrate their authenticity. But what about my authenticity in believing in Christ or believing in the scriptures? Like, does my authenticity, my true self not matter? Well, this this is you brought an interesting point because it's just as you're talking to Because last week we... we we talk about the quote from Leah Thomas. Do you still have that quote? Uh, yeah, right here. Um, Leah says, in talking about the scrutiny about competing as a, as a woman, um, 
I was prepared for that, but I also don't need anyone's permission to be myself and do the sport I love. Trans people don't transition for athletics. We transition to be happy and authentic and our true selves. Transition to get advantage is not something that even factors in her decisions. So, so to be happy and authentic to our true selves. So that sense of celebrating your true selves, it's still, it, it, in this case, it's celebrated, okay? But in the case, like you said, the Tampa Bay and yeah, whatnot, I mean, okay, they're so not celebrated, right? But I'll give you another case, okay? Of, of all of a sudden, we'll switch to collectivism and be like, hey, you know what? Who you truly are, what you truly, your personal decision doesn't matter or anything. It's the vaccine mandates. I'll just This stuff still ticks me off, okay? I saw a, a Babylon B talks about with the Roe versus Wade, all the uh, vaccine advocates are dusting off their uh, My Body, My Choice uh, right. uh, banner that they put in the storage <laughs> during the vaccine mandate. They all hit that. But now that uh, Roe versus Wade, uh, possibly, you know, decision made by the Supreme Court, they're coming out with their... Because it's like, wait a second. If you're truly celebrating authentic selves and we're saying, well, we're not going to be this overarching collectivistic communist government, then why are we forcing people to be inauthentic themselves and get a vaccine that they are morally and, and, and medically or consciously uh, objecting against, but be do good for the rest of society. Well, now you talk about collective. Now you're saying it is important for us to do good for the rest and, of society. And both of these <laughs> issues that you brought up yeah. are examples of radical extremes. So, so this is this is amazing in yeah. America today. We're not just on one pendulum swing. Yep. Sometimes, depending on the issue. We're on both pendulum. We're, we're as unstable as can be. So we're pushing radical narcissism on one side, hyper individualism. Basically, who cares what everybody else thinks, or who cares what my behaviors, how they impact anybody else? And then on this side, we're saying, who cares what you think? Everyone's going to be vaccinated, yep. irregardless. So you'll be fired. You'll lose your job. You'll be canceled. I mean, so so this is this is the insanity of a culture that's lost its biblical moorings. We, we, we just we literally swing from one side of the pendulum to the other on any given issue at any given time or at the same time. Yeah, or at the same time. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and there's validity to both of those arguments to, in the sense of like, yeah, yeah, we don't live for ourselves. We, we have a community, but we also don't want heavy collectivism. There is a degree of individuality. You and I talked about that last week. Yep. There is a tension point imbalance. Instead of trying to carefully craft what that balance is, we just we, we, we resort back to barbarism, which is Mightning's right. Whoever's got the biggest microphone, that's important to me. I don't care about what you think. I'm going to you know push you. I'm going to destroy you for not obeying. Yep. Basically, yep. that's the message right now. It's yep. crazy. Anyway, sorry. My, no, no, no. Was, you're, you're right on. I think right. about the vaccine. I was like, wait a second. So, so last week we talked a lot about ex expressive individualism, yeah. but one of the points that the authors make is that you cannot properly understand expressive individualism unless you see it on the backdrop, on the canvas of this radical sexual revolution that has happened in America. Yeah. And and they bring out a really good point. We're not just talking about the sexual revolution in the old days. You know, the sexual revolution back starting in the 60s, of course, it, it was an attack on authority. It was a big who says. Who says I can't sleep around with whoever I want? Who says I can't, I have to be married? Who says, who says, who says? Of course, it was the church was the biggest, you know, culprit, right? Because we're trying to uh, conform people to some objective standard. But, but the issue was always a, ma a matter of moving the lines. 
You know, there, if you talk to people back in the 60s, even those that were in kind of the free love movement, that there was still, they would still say, well, what, what line is too far to cross? And, and most people would agree that, that we still had lines. Um, and we talked about those in some previous episodes, you know, like, like for instance, having sex with children is wrong. Um, raping somebody is wrong. Um, uh, anyway, we, we, we had a few that we would still say that's not the right thing to do. Even, even people, it's interesting, I was just watching the importance of language, right? And, and how uh, they're encouraging um, in the uh, journalistic speech code books not to use the word mistress. Mistress always meant you had a woman on the side that you were supporting, maybe paying her, her rent, whatever, and then in exchange, she was giving you sexual favors. It was called a mistress because we all knew it was wrong. Um, it was adulterous. It was cheating on your wife on the side. But now they're saying get rid of the word mistress because it comes with antiquated baggage, moralistic baggage. Let's just call that person a lover or a friend or something else. So, so the point is we, we keep redefining terms and we keep pushing the boundaries. But how is it different now? Because we, before we talked about boundaries. Yeah, we used to be pushing the boundaries. Now we, because of this uh, individual, what was the term again? Expressive, Expressive individualism. individualism. Boundaries are yep. to be pushed. Boundaries are to be destroyed. Boundaries itself is become evil. Yes, it, it's, it's it's twisting the whole ideology so that anyone to have boundaries on sexual sexual expression is itself immoral. Boundary itself is immoral. So unlimited uh, uh, sexual expression is seen as the ultimate good. Yeah, and so the only there there has to be some moral framework though to to determine good and evil, and so. Yeah. What we have now is not the behaviors themselves. In fact, this argument works for abortion as well. We say choice is the ultimate moral framework. You should be able to choose, right? Expressive individuals yeah. ex choose what to do with your body and with the child so in your body. So consent is, is the ultimate goal, uh, ultimate ideal or ultimate uh, value. Right. Yeah, it's up consent. to you. Yeah. And consent is simply another word for choice, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what you're choosing, the behavior you're choosing, in this case, taking of innocent life or of expressing yourself in all kinds of uh, crazy sexual yeah, ways. People, uh, as, as long as you're consenting adults, right? I hear right. that a lot. Hey, I don't care what you guys do, as long as consenting adults. So, yeah. so, so here we're in a world where we're trying to figure out what, well, what does that even, what does consenting mean? Because words have meaning and yep. clarity matters yep. and so how many cases now are we in when it, what really comes down to is did she consent or did he consent or did they not and then we have to determine what does consent look like right and it gets to be a, a, a courtroom legal judicial nightmare because all of these words are based on clear behaviors and when the behaviors become very unclear um, then we got problems. Yeah, is consent like yes before but no later? Is that consent? I mean, yep. I mean it just what if there's drugs all, involved? Drug, alcohol, alcohol involved? Yeah, right. Uh, but the big issue here is before, if for instance, if somebody was caught with a pornographic magazine, like like part of the stigma was you had to go to a gas station or some place and actually asked for that magazine that was behind the counter it was kept on a top shelf right so kids couldn't see it it was in a it was in a plastic bag you know so you couldn't see the cover because the cover was obscene and you had to go there and actually had to say can you get me that magazine and then you had to put money in other words 
you're in public and there's still a stigma to what you're doing. In other words, you should be ashamed of what you're doing. Now with Hollywood, with uh, technology, with phones, uh, uh, computers, uh, and all the fact that we've thrown all the, the, the stigmas away, now it's crazy how pornography, for instance, has become mainstream. It's not even viewed like if someone's caught on their phone watching porn, they'd be just like, oh, dude, what are you doing? Oh, let me see. It, it wouldn't even be viewed as, oh, you caught me. Yeah. It's almost just a normal part of being uh, a part of our sexualized, hypersexualized society. Mm -hmm. And so when you throw out all the stigmas, stigma is simply the societal values that we all share in common. So now we're saying, no, no, no. If there's any stigma, any code of behavior, you're bigoted, you're, you're bringing your poisonous, prejudicial views, your personal views to play on my courageous and authentic self. And in that scenario, I'm going to lose every time. And again, the reason that this works right now, that's the functioning environment in our culture today, is because sexual revolutions on the heels, upon the foundation of this expression, expressive right. individualism. Tie those together for us. Because so what does what what viewing pornography or having gay sex or marrying my same-sex partner, what does that have to do with expressive individualism? And how, why, how, what's the connection well, between the sexual revolution and expressive individualism? And I, I'm not, I was not expert in this. This is based on my observation though. Expressive individualism is, is putting into the idea, into our hearts that your true authentic self is how you feel. And sexual desire is one of the strongest desires and feelings in people, right? right? It's one of the most So, So, powerful, so what, what yeah. we're really saying is, is, is for you to be a self you cannot be a non-sexual self, which again is a radical idea because yeah. we used to we used to value and honor people who lived a celibate life. In other words, sex is not an, an intrinsic part of everybody's life. Uh, it's a part of married life. It's not a part of everybody's life. And in fact, you know, movies like uh, which I didn't see, but it's a popular example: a forty-year-old virgin. The top, you knew it was a comedy in our culture today because they're making fun of anybody who's 40 years old and hasn't had sex. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter that they weren't married. Just everybody's going to have sex because sex is like eating, drinking, oxygen, sex. Like you cannot live in modern psyche today. You cannot live without sex. I think if you, uh, I remember reading from the book. Chuck Colson and Nancy Piercy, How Now Shall We Live? Mm -hmm. It talks about counterfeit salvations. It talks about salvation through government, salvation through economy, salvation through material things, through greed. It talks about salvation through sex. That chapter was super powerful yep. because it talks about how modern philosophies has elevated sexuality, sexual expression to the place of deifying it, yep. to a religious experience. In fact, the argument was if you weren't expressing yourself, that Freud and some of those folks, that was the foundation for neuroses and problems and that the healthy person was the... Uh, sexually expressive person. Yeah, the libertine who does, who yeah. did whoever he or she wanted. But I, I felt it was, it was a tie of all these different philosophies. I mean, sex is very, very spiritual. It is designed to be a spiritual yeah. experience. And very powerful. Powerful, and these are powerful desires that God's given us to express in a healthy way. Is to, to spiritually yoke you and your wife or you and your husband together in a powerful spiritual way. In other words, to pause here again, so <laughs> sex was not basically subjective determined by your feelings or how happy it makes you sex was objective in that it was part of your covenant part of what brings a husband and wife together 
and part of what leads to procreation, which keeps humanity, civilization going. In other words, you're, you have the privilege of creating a child made in the image and likeness of God. Uh, and so sex was not an end in and of itself. It was not all about me or how I feel. In fact, that's why so many marriages don't work today is because you have uh, sexually selfish partners who only care about themselves and, and their own satisfaction. Whenever sex becomes radically narcissistic, it's always destructive. Yeah. Uh, but that's exactly where we are today. And so you can't, so the connection between the two is simply, I cannot be who I am without authentically expressing my sexual desires. Yep. No matter what those desires no are. No matter what those desires, even though your kids are hurt, your wife is hurt, your husband's hurt, you know, um, your kids are suffering from divorce or from, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so now the only issue is, for instance, we talked about age, but it shouldn't surprise us that there's a strong push to say that children are sexual, that children can enjoy sexual pleasure, and that there should really be no strong age differences if the child is consenting and likes it. I mean, so now the whole the whole idea of the Kinsey Report, right? The sexualization of children, the sexual needs of children, all that was demonically inspired and driven uh, so that perverted adults could prey on, on little children. There used to be very clear scriptural, not used to be, they still exist, but culturally speaking, there used to be very strong guidelines between between that. In other words, you did not cross those lines. Yeah. We also talked about, for instance, um, strong lines in marriage. Like, you do not have sexual relationship with someone who's not your wife. You do not have sexual relationships with someone who's not in a marriage covenant with you. And how about this? You do not have a sexual relationship with someone who's not human. So in other words, uh, bestiality uh, was forbidden. All of these things are up for grab now. And they're all being redefined. In fact, academics are having these kinds of ivory tower people are having these kinds of discussions based on the new sexual ethic, which isn't. You know, there is no sexual ethic other than expressive individualism. Yeah. And so when you're asking the question, then why are we seeing like this sexual agenda pushed down our throats at every turn? So much so that we're, we're, we're fighting over in Florida whether or not a teacher should be introducing you know, children to gender, you know, non-gender binary understanding of their sexuality. Like, why are we even talking to kindergartners about sex? You know, it's, we scratch our head like, what is the matter with these people? And yet they see this as completely normal, healthy, logical, sound. And we're looking at this going, you guys are perverts. You're, you're groomers. And that's really well, the, largely the debate right now. Like, why would anybody in their right mind want to talk to a kindergartner about sex when that's the last thing they should be thinking about or focusing on right. or the last thing that they are thinking about frankly right um, because that's part of the ideology you you train them early everyone knows that when you want to indoctrinate anybody anything good or bad you start early so so uh, people who spouse this ideology or this new religion or philosophy absolutely believes that if you want to get them get them early yeah. <laughs> that's a strategic move right so and, 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 they're, and, they're, and what I want people to see is that while the typical um, useful idiot on the streets might not be connecting the dots the yeah. people at the highest levels that are writing curriculum and that are pushing for this for this brave new world they know exactly what they want yeah. and really one of the targets, and when you look at these movements, one of the targets is the, the nuclear family. 
one man, one woman raising children under God, that is the target because that's where all of the, the opposition comes from. And, and this leads into a lot of the Marxist and revolutionary movements. They, the goal was to separate children from the families, to separate sex from marriage, uh, and to attack um, the nuclear family, yeah, which and, is biblical in its basis. And the nation's strength lies in its family. And we know that over and over again through statistics and through all kinds of things. But, you know, again, once again, the plea is parent your kids. Make yeah. sure you parent your kids. Don't don't farm out parenting to your school. I was a teacher for, for, for years. I'm not criticizing any public or private school teachers, but teachers cannot parent your kids. I, as a, as a teacher, function best when I partner with the parents as a, a, a I'm just a supplement to their education. The parent, you know, when, when the when the parent says, no, you got to parent my kids. Like, I can't do it. I'm your kids with a couple hours a day. Same thing, you same thing parent with church. Kids. You know, pastors, youth pastors, Sunday school teachers. Yeah. We only have those kids under our leadership for a short time. Yeah, and we've got lots of them. Yeah, so, so, that, so we can't even say, well, I'm going to take my kids to church and then that will take care of their moral development. You have to grow. You have to love your kids. You have to know your kids. You have to parent, parent your kids. That's your responsibility from God. Parent your kids well because of these are the things that's coming at them. If you parent your kids well, then you don't have to be afraid. Yeah. Because when they go see these things, they're like, mm, that's not what my parents taught me. Yeah, but I, what I want to encourage, yeah. and this is happening because these things are so offensive, I, I really want to encourage us... You know, what's that phrase? Gaslighted, where someone yeah. tells you something so crazy, like, oh, you're such a bigot. You believe that sex should be between a man and a woman in marriage. Oh, what a bit. And then you're standing there going, wait a minute. Everybody's believed this for millennia. Like, like this is not a new idea, but you're left thinking like, wow, am I a bad person? What happened? Am I, am I out of date? I want to encourage you, don't fall for that trap. We need to be just as bold. We need to be just as, as straightforward to be able to say, we will not tolerate this as perversion. This is confusion. We can still be compassionate with people, and we should be, and we must be compassionate. But compassion does not mean you roll over and you just die. Compassion means you speak the truth in love, and you say, we will not tolerate this. It means you do it at the workplace it means you choose not to wear the logo it means you choose not to bow to the new to the new idol it means you choose to point out that the tremendous inconsistencies and irrationalities in this worldview and that's what we're, we're, we hope to help you to do but at the end of the day i mean each of us has to be the prophetic voice for righteousness and and i want you to understand that this is all in the context of the common good if i was talking to leah thomas i would be respectful i would be compassionate i would not call him a her i would i would respectfully choose to stay within the biological pronouns of their creation simply because i'm not being compassionate when i help somebody live a lie when i help somebody mutilate their bodies when i when i help somebody live a lifestyle that's that is uh, irreparable in other words they're not going to after after they take the meds and they do the surgery they're destroying their physical body forever there's no going back uh, and then we talk about the mental uh, illnesses and we talk about suicide in fact I just want to point out don't fall for the argument that unless we we give out courageous bads do hand claps cartwheels and celebrate that somehow we're, we're promoting suicide no the reason that people are committing suicide is because you can't fundamentally live a lie. You cannot live inconsistently with the way God made you and God created you. And you're literally putting yourself out there literally in no man and no woman land. 
because you're be, you're trying to become something that it is impossible for you to become. And so that's where suicide comes in because anybody who chooses to live a lie is going to deal with the consequences of that. And as you point out, ultimately this is spiritual warfare. Satan hates people made in the image and likeness of God. And Satan is going to try to destroy a person in whatever way that they can. I think the way I see this, the sexual revolution and the issue addresses in a compassionate way is understanding that um, through viewing pornography, which is seen as so culturally uh, acceptable right now. Yeah. Viewing pornography for both the husband or wife, whatever, is a slippery slope to infidelity, divorce, abuse of the family. I get the the honor or the privilege of working with many, and you do too, many children who are the product of divorce, abuse, hurts, and pains. Right. Um, the 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 rate of hurts and pain from parents and abuse and stuff like that in our nations. I mean, I, I don't think we can calculate how high it is because so much just goes unreported. These are very obvious cases of, of if you want to show compassion. When I hear about another divorce or infidelity, all I could think about is the kids. I mean, I think about my own kids. You know, my, my kids derive so much joy and peace and comfort in the fact that my wife and I are close and intimate. We love each other deeply. Yeah. Can I, I can't imagine the pain that would inflict, not just my wife, okay? Obviously, she would be hurt, but if I had an affair or if I, if I you know, yeah, marriage, whatever, marriage whatever. But on oh, my kids... My four-year-old son, who's like also a mom and dad are in the same place, that is, man, my compassion is for those kids. My compassion is for these young ones who don't know what's going on. They just know that, hey, God made them to be part of a family, to have mom and dad together. That's where my compassion comes in. I am broken for these kids who, because their parents uh, indulge in narcissistic, selfish desire because they they've been taught that that your your inner sexual desire is the greatest fulfillment. No, how about the greatest fulfillment is for your son and for your daughter, for your kids to have a whole family? Come on, how about that? So that's to, to me the most compassionate way to view this situation is the most innocent victims and in all. So, so even the word compassion becomes a a a a, a ploy based on the definition. It gets redefined to fit someone's worldview. And so I appreciate what you said. And maybe we end with this. You know, the, the, the church is meant to be a healing community. The problem with a woke church is we're trying to be compassionate by adapting the ideology and the false beliefs of the prevailing system around us. Instead of being countercultural, instead of being true to the scriptures, uh, as Pastor Andrew just mentioned, instead of moving in true compassion... That says, you know what? Yes, you are a precious individual made in the image and likeness of God, but you do not get to remake reality. Uh, you find health when you live properly before God and you live properly before community and other people. Uh, and that's what the, why the church should be countercultural. It's why the church is truly revolutionary. And it's why the church uh, must never cave to the progressive uh, and radical individualism or to the sexual revolution or to, to the other things that are reshaping uh, the way we live. So we've got to be radically countercultural. We've got to stick to our guns. We've got to preach the truth. We've got to stand on the word of God and we have to love each other and and, and bring healing. Bring bring a healing community to a world that doesn't know what that is. I got one more rent in me. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I work with a bunch of young adults, uh, 20s, 30s, you know, mid thirties, sometimes even, and I tell them this: Look, I got, I, I get to work with people who's been wounded, divorced, wound their kids, people in their thirties, forties, fifties years old. And after working with them for a while, I'm like, you know what? I want to go work with the younger version of them 
because I want to help these young adults realize that if you work on these, if you don't sleep around, you don't go out and party and trash yourself, drugs and alcohol, all these different things now, you don't have to go through what these guys go through later, which now they're repentant after, but, but, but at this point, there, there are so many people who's been wounded along the way. Yeah. I want to help you when you're younger. I can't help you, but I can help, help these young adults. But the problem is the lure of the world is so strong for these young adults that sometimes they feel like, you know what? It's so pretty out there. All these fancy things, all these really cool things. I got access to anything I want on my phone right yep. now. Yep. Not even just young adults, teenagers too. And the lore of the world is so strong that they, I just want to be like, look, will you look at yourself in 20, 30 years? And that was the crucial decision you have to make right now. So it's with greatest compassion that I go through these people and says, live rightly. Not because I'm throwing the Bible at your face, right. but because I've seen the results of the sexual revolution, sexual expression with unrestrained sexual expression, what it's done to you in the future. I want to come back and help you now. Yeah, the fruit is, is terrible. And, uh, and as you said, Let's, let's work at, at not believing the lie, which is a, a great transition, because when we get together next, we're going to spend uh, the time talking about this whole concept of social imaginary. In other words, they're living in a culture where, where everybody has kind of intuitively embraced the idea that free sex, sex without restraint, be happy, be true to yourself, that that leads to maximum joy and pleasure. And it's a lie, but, but it's the oxygen. Uh, in which uh, this next generation is breathing. We have to help expose that and show that it's not oxygen at all. It's really poisonous gas, and it'll kill you, and it'll leave a, 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 a tremendous legacy of pain and suffering in its wake if you follow it. So we hope this is helpful to you. We've talked a lot today about the, how, how the uh, expressive individualism is attached to the sexual revolution and if you understand why they're together you'll understand why people are pushing the boundaries on sexual ethics and why they're basically saying let me be whoever i feel like being especially sexually because that is the real me all right next week's going to be really good we hope you'll uh, tune in and share this far and wide we know there's a lot of people that could benefit from uh an understanding of the philosophical underpinnings the ideas that are driving this revolution that we're currently witnessing. So have a great week. We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. It's always a privilege.